crunchy. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is what it is. Migraine burps. They just hit <laughs> different because they make your whole skull rattle. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Gwen. And this is Tea and Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. And y'all, today we are covering Lame is a Rob. Look down, look down. Don't look them in the eye. Look down, look down. You're here until you die. Sorry to our voice teacher. For that vocal fry. We're sorry. I'm so sorry. We're not. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. For the bit. <laughs> Anyways. Eliza, hit us with the history about Les Miserables. Yes, guys. Okay, so Les Miserables, or also known as Les Mis, because Les Miserables a fucking mouthful, um, was so written very by... very French and we're very American. Yes, and I'm going to preface this by I'm going to fuck up the composer's mm -hmm. names, and I'm really, really sorry. I don't speak French, and it shows. We're going to mispronounce everything in this episode, <laughs> uh, because I don't know about you, Alyssa, but I took Spanish in high school. I also took Spanish, and I forgot all of it, so <laughs> that's where we're at. <laughs> I don't know French or Spanish, and I took one of those languages for three years. <laughs> Hit us with the history, Alyssa. Okay, so it was written by Claude Michel Schoenberg and Alan Bubel. Um, it's based off the novel by Victor Hugo, who also wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame. So we're in with the sad boy hours, you guys. It originally premiered um, on the West End in 1985. It's their longest running musical, you guys. So super, super cool. And then it premiered on Broadway in 1987. It won seven Tony Awards. Um, including Best Musical, Best Book, and Best Score, because that makes a lot of sense, because Les Mis is so well-known for its score. Basically, it's like a three-hour-long rock opera. They mm -hmm. sing it through. It's fucking gorgeous. It's so well-known. It falls into the category um, that was super popular during the 80s of, like, mega musicals. So, like, think Phantom, think Into the Woods, think this one, Secret Garden, and then Miss Saigon, who this composer also wrote. So they're known for being like sung through completely, sometimes like operatic singing, but like that's not a prereq for it. Um, and like the super lush score that Lame is is so well known for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like I remember in high school, like discovering Les Mis for the first time and being really surprised that Andrew Lloyd Webber didn't write it. Yep. Because it feels very akin to most of his best-known musicals, like Joseph, like mm -hmm. Jesus Christ Superstar, like Phantom. Yep. Uh, and so it's it, it falls within that same sort of vein. Yep. Andy Lloyd dominated the 80s mm -hmm. because he was on a lot of cocaine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't write depressing musicals like this team. Like, this and Miss Saigon are fucking sad, you guys. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, okay, so this musical is about Jean Valjean. It's set in 19th century France, and we follow Jean Valjean, who was just released from prison. He was there for 19 years, and guess why he was imprisoned? For stealing a fucking loaf of bread for his sister's child. All this for a loaf of bread? Yeah, exactly. A Aladdin is Jean Valjean, confirmed. <laughs> yes. Um, get ready for the most convoluted plot 
ever. Oh my like, god. Not <laughs> the most convoluted plot to ever grace the stage of musical theater, but I remember first reading the Wikipedia page on Les Mis because that's how you learned about things in high school, right? Was yes. you just read the Wikipedia page. That's still how I learn about <laughs> musicals right <laughs> But I remember reading it and just being so confused by all of it. Yep. There's a lot of timeline jumping. We're always following Jean Valjean, so like at least we know one person at least ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time. Anyways, once he gets released, he has a really hard time finding a job, which you know translates to today pretty well. If you're an ex-con, it's pretty much impossible to find work. So a bishop takes him in for the night. So once the bishop takes him in for the night, he does a lot of kind stuff for Jean Valjean, and that basically makes him want to break his parole and, like, start a new life for himself, like, being focused on doing good deeds for other people. But, you know, the party pooper of the year, Javert, says, fuck you and your nice things. I'm not going to let that happen. He's a police officer. He sucks. Um... And he's like, uh-uh-uh, you need to get, you need justice for your wrongdoing, even though you were literally imprisoned for stealing a loaf of bread for your wife, your, your wife, your sister's starving child. Um, so, so Javert makes it his life's mission to hunt down Valjean. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna fuck this bitch up. How dare mm-hmm. you break the law? And then the rest sudden of the musical- Sudden time jump. <laughs> yeah, I'll say the rest of the musical does a bunch of sudden time jumps. So he meets this woman, Fontaine who was fired from, like, like a sewing factory because the other girls were bitches to her and she was sending money to her daughter, um, Cosette, who was living with another family. We'll get to them later. It's a very weavy plot. Yeah, and basically she becomes a prostitute and then Jean Valjean um, sees her eventually because now he's the mayor for some fucking reason. Mm-hmm. And he tries to save her. LOL, she dies after being on stage for, like, maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> But promises to find and then care for her child, mm-hmm. Cosette. Yeah. So Jean Valjean goes and finds Cosette, yeah. who is living with the Tenadiers, who oh my are God. my favorite. They family. fucking rock. They're awful people. Do not They're get me worst. wrong. They're the worst, but I love them. They're so extra. They're like stealing from all these bitches. I respect their game, honestly. It's. France, pre-French Revolution, you gotta do what you gotta do to get some money. Right, so the Tenadiers <laughs> run, like, an inn, right? Yeah, like they a super s- divey inn. They run a inn. super seedy inn where they steal from all their patrons, yep. and they have Cosette, they mm-hmm. have custody of Cosette, and then they also have their own young daughter, Eponine, yes. who they treat super well, and they uh-huh. treat Cosette like garbage. Think, like, yep. Cinderella and her evil stepfamily yes. kind of thing. And then Cosette, uh, she's the little girl on the musical poster. Fun fact, she's the girl with the broom. She's like, there is a castle on a cloud. Really annoying. Anyways, um, Jean Valjean comes in. He saves her, takes, whisks her away. And then another time jump. Dun, 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 dun! And they're teenage. Uh, Cosette's a teenager now. How, how old are she and Eponine? I s- are they supposed to be like 16? That's my guess. 16 or 17 seems yeah. about right. Um, oh, now we're in 1832 because this is following the June 1832 rebellion, which is not really well known mm-hmm. in history because it was a baby rebellion and literally everybody got killed. <laughs> it's a ba- It's a really, really 
baby um, rebellion because it's led by a bunch of college students mm-hmm. um, who are my favorites. I love them all so dearly. <laughs> um, oh, okay. We're going all over the place. And that's okay, just so what the plot anyway, does. <laughs> anyway, so we had another big time jump. Javert. Yes. Not Javert. Oh, my God. Valjean. Yes. Jean Valjean saves Cosette from the Tenadiers, mm-hmm. takes her, runs away. We get a big time jump. Cosette yep. is now... 15 16 17 ish she's like young enough that she is just becoming a woman and like her her dad valjean Mm -hmm. is starting to be like oh oh she's she's a woman now yeah i don't know how i feel about my daughter being a woman now yeah uh, basically sort of thing yeah i need to point out something gross that has nothing to do with the plot but something i think about a lot okay Okay, so women um, and actresses in musical theater, um, Sopranos both play Cosette and Christine, right? Because it's like the same type, essentially. Right. But the men who play the Phantom almost always end up playing Jean Valjean, too. Mm-hmm. So in one scenario, we have a father-daughter dynamic. And in the other, we have man is in love with child. And it's just nasty, you guys. Well, yeah, it's part of why I hate Phantom of the Opera. I know. But we'll talk about that during our Phantom of the Opera. But it's episode. weird when I see the <laughs> actors, this like the same team of actors who have played Christine and Phantom, then playing Jean Valjean and Cosette, like the same grouping. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> as good as describe uh we're about as good at summarizing this plot as we were with summarizing carry on we just it's it's garbage Um, it's garbage okay cosette is a a teenager now but during this time she's like becoming a woman now yes uh and Um, she and her father have evaded javert for however many years it's been like 10 years And this baby rebellion is happening. Enter Marius Pontmercy. Yep. He walking with his friend Eponine. Yeah, Eponine comes back, you guys. The Tenardiers and Eponine are dirt poor now. Um, They must have lost their end, you know, somewhere along the way. But anyways, they're, like, scavenging the streets. They have a street game. And Marius, who is a college student um, and kind of part of this baby revolution, it's really not his thing. It's his friend. Um, Angelos' thing more so, but he's just there for the ride. They're walking in the town square, as you do. Um, Marius and Cosette, like, lock eyes, or they bump into each other, and it's love at first sight. It's Romeo and Juliet kind of shit. Basically, mm-hmm. enter love triangle. Because mm-hmm. Eponine loves Marius. Marius loves Cosette. And Cosette loves Marius. And Marius is like, Ponine, you're my friend. Mm-hmm. So sad. Which, first of all, I don't understand, because Marius is from a rich aristocratic family yeah he has the money to be going to school which at this time was rich white person school yeah and eponine is dirt poor how are they friends i literally don't understand how they became friends they like literally don't run in the same social circles whatsoever how did they meet how did how did they become friends like But anyway, Marius is obsessed with Cosette and obsessed with the idea of finding her. (laughs) And so Eponine, who knows who Cosette is, um, figures out where she is. And because she loves Marius, is willing to show him where Cosette lives. Uh, And so Eponine takes Marius to Cosette. 
Cosette and Marius sing a beautiful duet about how they're in love with each other, and uh, it becomes a trio in which Eponine sings a counter melody about how Marius was never going to love her. It's so good. Um, it <laughs> I love is. one of my favorite songs, one of my dream songs to do someday because it is a heart full of love. Yeah, yeah same. You be I'm... Cosette, I'll be Eponine. Yeah, whatever. exactly. We just need a man. It's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll find one. It'll be fun. Well, yeah, but, it's um... great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Eponine's mourning the loss of her love. Marius and Cosette are making plans to run away together, and in the background, Marius's friends are all planning this rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, Javert, meanwhile, has finally caught the scent of Jean Valjean and thinks he has caught up to him and is going to hunt him down and destroy him. Yep. So everything's happening at once. All the all the characters we have met at this point are here, except Fontaine, Rick Fontaine. She gone. She Till the end of the show. She'll come yeah, back She'll later. come back. She'll come back. <laughs> ghost Fontaine! Ooh. We don't have a ghost daddy in this one. We have a ghost, ghost mom mommy. in this one. <laughs> And then we have one of the best act one closers of all time at this point, because everything is happening the next day. Mm-hmm. So this General Lamarck, who was like the people's man, like he stood for everything that the the college students are fighting for, they find out that he died. So Angelas, who's like the leader of this revolution, he's like, okay, guys, LOL, scrap everything. We are now just doing this tomorrow. And Marius is like, oh, shit. But Cosette's leaving tomorrow. What should I do? Should I fight with my friends or should I go get this chick? Mm-hmm. And Cosette's like, Papa, I don't want to leave. I just met a new person. One of the best first act closers so ever, good. One Day More. It's the most iconic theater yep. song of theater songs. Like, most iconic ensemble theater song of yes. theater songs. Because I'm pretty sure Defying Gravity might win as, like, the theater song. You can't mm-hmm. see, see it, but I'm doing air quotes um but one day more is up there ask any high school drama club kid they will sing the whole thing everybody has sung it yep everybody has either sung it by themselves or sung it in a van full of theater bitches or done both Mm -hmm. usually both yep it's a rite of passage honestly you gotta do both but anyway act two opens it's the day of reckoning everybody fucking dies real quick yep um the rebellion happens people die yeah they have um, a barricade it's a very loose barricade um there are other other barricades around the city but they get picked off quite quickly mm-hmm. so lol rip them mm-hmm. it's just our tiny little bunch of college boys who are left mm-hmm. um oh eponine goes off to deliver a letter i think to jean valjean from marius and that's when we get another iconic song, On My Own, which we all love. So our group of little college boys are the only people with a barricade left standing. Everybody else has kind of been picked off. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Javert, I think that's when Javert gets there undercover and he's like going to infiltrate the barricade and pretend to be a soldier with them. Yeah, um, but Gavroche knows about it. Yeah. And is like... <laughs> I know this man, but it's this gross rendition of Little People Part 2. Little People's the worst fucking song I've ever heard in my life. But anyway, so um, <laughs> Javert gets found out by all of these rebellious college students and gets thrown out. 
uh, enter Jean Valjean, who has arrived to essentially fight by Marius' side mm-hmm. and save him because he knows how much Cosette loves him. And he essentially sacrifices himself to save Marius. Now, Jean Valjean doesn't die at this point. Instead, he and Marius are the only two who escape alive because he takes Marius and dives into the sewers. Mm-hmm. Previous to this, Eponine has thrown herself in front of Marius and taken a bullet for him and died in his arms. Cosette is safe at some undisclosed location. Um, all of Marius's friends are dead. Yep. Valjean escapes with Marius. Marius is unconscious? Question. Yes, because he got like knocked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, um Ma- and they escape safely by the grace of God. Honestly. Um, Javert throws himself off of a bridge because he accepts that his life mission is futile and he'll never catch Valjean, so he throws himself to yeah. death. He's, he does another rendition of stars. There's a lot of motifs in this show, just mm-hmm. like cats. Like Each person has like their own little doo-doo-doo-doo that they sing mm-hmm. again and again. But uh, Marius and Cosette get married. Valjean right. dies peacefully. And Fantine comes back. <laughs> End of play. So... It's a three-hour show, and it took us at least ten minutes to summarize it, and that's why it's three hours long, because it's a lot. This book is fucking thick, you guys. It's so convoluted. It's so much. Victor Hugo is incapable of writing anything simple. No. And to an extent, I thank him for it, because it gave me two of, like, the coolest musicals ever. Yeah, yeah. But also, I tried to read both this and Hunchback when I was in high school because I loved both of them as stage shows. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't make it past the first, like, five pages. It was so dense and it was so dry and I just wanted to die the whole time. (laughs) Yep. There's a whole chapter on the Paris sewer systems in Les Mis for Mm -hmm. no good reason. Literally no good reason. Victor Hugo said, oh, you want stupid description? I'll give you stupid description. I don't get this, man. But the musical's great. Like, make sure you pee beforehand and during intermission because you'll Mm -hmm. you'll need to. You'll need it. (laughs) But Uh, it's a great show. mm -hmm. So, uh, let's talk favorite songs or characters first Ooh, ooh. Hmm. let's do favorite songs first okay do you want to go first oh you go first i'm having a hard time deciding on this oh gosh (laughs) me too i think i think my favorite song honestly i really love master of the house just for the campiness of it and it really breaks from all of the other musical motifs and like styles that we get throughout the show it's just like this this break in Mm -hmm. a lot of sort of swooping soaring um sort of scores you just get master of the house which is very very kitschy isn't the right word it's super campy yeah it's campy it's like it if this musical could be jazzy, this is the jazz number, even though yes. it's not actually jazz, if that makes sense to you. Yep. Um, so I love that one. I, I just, it's so much fun. Um, would love to play Madame Tenardier. Hell yeah. I'd rock it. Um, but also, I, 
musically, I really love A Heart Full of Love. Um, I think it is one of the prettiest songs. Um, I think that Bring Him Home is overdone by high school boys who can't sing it well enough. Mm -hmm. But I think that lyrically it's beautiful. And I think Stars is the same. Oh, yes. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, I also love the reprise of... Oh, gosh. I can't remember what it is. What what it's a reprise of. But um, the duet that Cosette and Fantine sing as Valjean dies, I really love. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name of that, but it's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. It's really, really pretty. Uh, I agree. I think, actually... Like, I like Bring Him Home, but I think Valjean's um, soliloquy from the first act, like, right when he, like, rips the, the his um, parole papers up is my favorite Valjean song. I think it's so fucking gorgeous. Oh, that man oh. called Jean Valjean is nothing to me now. now. There's, There's no way to go. Yes! And it's just like... It's, it's so dramatic. It it's really so extra. Is, it's so good. I just hate the way that Hugh Jackman does it so much. Oh my that god, it just same. Has tarnished it for me. The 25th anniversary concert with Nick Jonas, who's ugh, but Alfie Bowie, who plays um, Valjean in that production, has the most beautiful operatic tenor voice. It's mm -hmm. gorgeous, it, and he the sings it. The 25th anniversary production is the superior production, it even is. though Nick Jonas is Marius vocally. He pulls it off just fine. Yeah, he just it's can't okay. Act. Yeah, it's it's know? honestly it could be worse. It really, really could. Mm -hmm. But everybody yeah. else is stunning in that. Um, I think "Heart of Love," "A Heart Full of Love," is also on my favorites list. It's partially because it's so musically beautiful, partially because I want to play Cosette someday. So we have we love that. Um, I think. Actually, Red and Black might be one of my favorites, too, because I loved the college students. Angelos is my favorite character. We'll get into that in a hot sec, but I adore that man. Mm -hmm. I like his spirit and his passion, and I love that song. I love men singing together. Pretty. Thank you. <laughs> I really, I, I agree with all these points. I don't know... Off the top of my head, I can't say that there's, like, a particular song in it that I don't like. But the little like... people that Gavroche sings fucking sucks. <laughs> that's why it's not, oh, a, it's, that's why it's up. barely in the movie. Castle on the Cloud. <laughs> Castle on a Cloud is my least favorite song. Yep. So the children's songs. I, I don't like the children's song. No, I hate they kids singing. Don't... I, I get why Castle on a Cloud exists. Um, I didn't when I was younger, but Second. now, like, I do, for the yeah. sake of story, I get that we have to establish Cosette and her, like, core dreamer values mm -hmm. to then understand everything else she does. Yeah. Because that's that's her thing. Cosette, Cosette soars above the clouds. Cosette sweet dreams. Thing. That's all she does. And what's lovely about that is that she inherits it from her mother. Mm -hmm. And that's why you need Castle on the Cloud. It's why Fontaine sings I Dreamed a Dream. It's why young Cosette does a Castle on the Cloud. It's why adult Cosette does, um, oh my goodness. She does In My Life. Is In My one... Life, yes. Which I've always wanted to sing. Like I if I was going to put a Cosette song in my book, it'd be that one. I, I would love agree. That one so it's much. beautiful. Um, but it's, it's, 
it's a beautiful arc for her character. I just hate hearing it sung. (laughs) (laughs) I hate children singing a lot. I just, it's way too, I get their kids. So like, I can't hate on them for being like nasally, but that's what I don't Mm -hmm. like about it. It's very nasally. Mm -hmm. The song alone, it's very beautiful. It's simple, but like pretty. And it's perfect for a child, but I just don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at with Castle on the Cloud. Like, I like its significance in the story. Don't like listening to it sung. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know that... Like, the songs in Les Mis are songs where... Because there are so many of them. The whole thing mm-hmm. is sung through. That you hear them and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a banger. Or you hear them and you're like, oh, we have to listen to them sing for the next seven minutes about nothing. <laughs> it's it's so, it's different than Cats, I will say, in that sense. For Les Mis, I kind of just vibe through all the songs. Like, I really don't sit there and stew angrily about a particular one. I'm like, okay, they're going to be deep. They're gonna be done in a couple minutes, and oh, I know which one's next. No, see, I prefer cats because I kind of can't stand sung through musicals. Ooh, like, okay. cats is a sung through musical, mm-hmm. but what I like about cats is that it feels like a concert with just no dialogue breaks. Um, Les Mis and Phantom are both shows that are sung through, but they're sung through in like the simplest kind of way where it's like oh this is a part that would normally be dialogue so we're going to stay on one note for a very long time and when i go to a different note you notice <laughs> like that's one of my favorite things about uh something rotten yeah uh, <laughs> Something Rotten, one of the, the, like, greatest modern comedic musicals, um, literally makes a joke of this in their act one closer Mm -hmm. um, about how musicals get sung through for no good reason. And Les Mis is one of those shows where I don't feel like there's a good reason for it to be sung through other than, oh, this is about an old thing. And our score is beautiful, mm-hmm. so we don't want there to be any breaks in our score. Yeah, no, it, that makes sense. Like, the scenes where it, there's sing-talking, I can kind of just ignore it at this point. Mm-hmm. But I understand, like, why it, it sounds weird if you don't listen to musicals, I think, A. So if you're if you're a new person listening to a new musical and you all of a sudden you're like, and it's like the the music shifts and they go up another note mm-hmm. and they sing on that note for a sentence it's it sounds very weird and kind of like jumpy mm-hmm. um but I'm i just also <laughs> just i'm i'm one of those people who has always preferred like pop rock musicals and so like sung through musicals and i just don't vibe and so like even though i can understand that the composers obviously had a reason for doing it I just can't understand what that reason is, That's fair. and I get bored. That's so fair, though. That's so fair. <laughs> I also think, literally, I think I bypassed that reason for this for because, like, vocally for the longest time, I could not sing pop rock musicals. So I was like, mm. "This is it. All I got is the '80s mega musicals and the yep. classics." Whereas Guess I I'm couldn't, stuck. 
I couldn't sing the classics or the 80s mega musicals for the longest time. So, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, I know what I vibe with because it's what I can sing loudly when no one's around. And yeah. it was never lame is. Yep. Oh, God, I feel so bad for my parents. They used to make fun of me when I would sing in the shower. And like, all you could hear was this very high soprano. And they're like, <laughs> after I got out and I'm like, stop. I can't sing anything else. And then I got a voice teacher in college and it was fine. <laughs> so fun fact, the reason I found Lame Is in high school is because I used to sing on my own in my sister's bedroom, my older sister's bedroom, because she left for college. And that, of course, that meant that I just took over her bedroom. And she left her old iPod behind in, like, its iPod dock. And so I would just listen to the song she had on her iPod. And for whatever reason, she had On My Own. And it was the only song from Lame Is she had on her iPod. I didn't know what this song was from, but I knew I liked it. Mm -hmm. It sounded music theatery, and I liked it. Yes. And so I listened to it on repeat. I would just sing it in her room when, you know whether people could hear me or not. And then one day I realized it was from a musical mm -hmm. and I started listening to Les Mis. And that's I how I it. found Les Mis was because of On My Own, which I feel like is how a lot of people find Les Mis. I would agree with that. It's objectively that one. And I dreamed a dream, like at least for like women who love musicals are like the most popular mm -hmm. songs and like the easiest to find. There are a lot of covers of both and they're both mm -hmm. like, gorgeous songs they're gorgeous yeah. ballads we love a good ballad mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and they're hard to do really well yes like but they aren't hard to do if that makes yeah. sense like they can like vocally wise they can be good learning songs for belting like mm -hmm. i used on my own as a learner song for belting would mm -hmm. never add it to my book because i don't do it that well but for learning how to mix and belt properly it's the perfect tool yeah because it starts re it spends so much time in the lower chest voice so you get used to feeling out your chest voice mm -hmm. and then you have to bring that chest voice up and through your mix and into a belt for the climax of the song yeah. so it's like a great learning song mm -hmm. uh if you are just a belter, though, it's kind of like, okay, on my own. Yep. There we go. Yep. So it's one, it's one of those songs that's not super hard to do, but it is hard to do very well mm -hmm. uh, because it's so overdone. Everyone yep. does it, and so few people do it to that spectacular degree. Yeah, like it's pretty much reserved for being per performed in in the musical so if your cast is eponine and you're like fuck yeah i get to sing this song finally or by high schoolers at solo and ensemble i was just about to say that i remember one year in college where i volunteered to like like sit outside the room and like help people check in the musical theater rooms and i mm -hmm. could not tell you how many girls sang um on my own i dreamed a dream and the wizard and i Mm -hmm. so many so mm -hmm. fucking so many people saying those three and i was like guys mm -hmm. my my saving grace in high school was that my uh high school mu choir teacher was like none of you will ever sing lame is no fair enough not happening um the boys were allowed to sing empty chairs at empty tables but she was refused to let any of us sing i dreamed a dream and now i thank her for it 
God, honestly, it's a blessing. Don't bring that one into your high school soul and ensemble. Find something else, you guys. There are other songs out there. I promise. I just, like, I remember in high school, like, Les Mis feeling like it was the epitome of musical theater. Like, there will never be anything more technically complicated or beautiful than this score. It is, like, the piece de resistance. It is, like... (laughs) It's 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 the bougiest bougie theater. It is rich people. <laughs> if rich people were musical theater, if that makes sense, it was yes. something to aspire to. It was the American dream of every high school theater <laughs> kid. And then you literally just listen to anything else, and you're like, okay, yeah, Les Mis is good. Les Mis is beautiful yeah. for what Les Mis is. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not gonna say it's not. Yep. But, oh, my God, there's so much more theater out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I was, like, it was, Layman's was right after my Phantom Face. I mean, the two were kind of yeah. tied together, so I'd flop mm-hmm. back and forth. But then I found Into the Woods, and I'm a big Sondheim gal, and that's the reason why. Because I was like, oh, these are so complicated. And then I listened to Into the Woods, and I was like, no, this mm-hmm. is musically complicated. And I'm getting the really beautiful bursting score from the 80s mega musicals, mm-hmm. and it's, like, the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And there are more female characters in this show. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> about the lack of female characters in this show. I get it. I get it's based off of a real event, okay? I get that the people who were a part of this real event were college students. Mm-hmm. I get that women didn't go to college. Yeah. I get it. I do. Thank you. I really, really do. But. There are only four female characters in this show. And, and all but one die madame Tenadier might be alive at the end but it's not confirmed yeah like she was at cosette and marius's wedding because she was like eh, eh, eh. i'm yeah. gonna eat the wedding food and i was like live your truth girl yeah but they were hella old by the end of that yeah it, it th- there are four female characters and two of them are for sure dead yeah and Fa- fonte's barely in this show you guys yeah she's she has possibly the most iconic number from the mm-hmm. entire show and then she dies immediately. she's barely there <laughs> she's barely there you guys if i i like to separate les mis into like three sections i do like jean valjean prison era and then once we launch once he does like once he rips up his parole papers we launch into the section the second section of les mis which is the, which is the shortest section yeah which is the Fontaine portion. And then we immediately move into Cosette, to Nardier land, and then we're revolutionary mm-hmm. bound. Listen, okay, <laughs> but like Fontaine only gets however many minutes of stage time, but tell you what, what a gig. What Honestly. a gig. You get to show up for work. You get to go out on stage for what, like those 25 minutes, yep. belt your face off, mm-hmm. go backstage, read a book until you have to come back on at the end of the show. Honestly, <laughs> like... <laughs> What a gig! If you just want to chill out, Fontaine is the role for you. And you get met with thunderous applause you at the end. Do. Because Fon- everyone knows I dreamed a dream, mm-hmm. and you're gonna kill it if they yeah. hire you to do it professionally. Mm-hmm. So, like, thunderous applause at the end, and you get to basically just tackle your t- to-be-read list every night at work. <laughs> I just, I would imagine, like, maybe a college theater doing lamest, and the Fontaine gets all her homework done. She has mm-hmm. so much time on her hands. She's mm-hmm. like, I got everything done. I'm bringing my assignments with me to call. I'm going to knock everything out. 
and I respect her game. I really, really do. And Fontaine is so well-loved, so, like, hell yeah. Like, it sucks she's barely in there, but, like, if you're an actor, you're like, that's the one. Mm -hmm. I think my problem with the show isn't the lack of female characters. It's the, it's how the romantic lead is literally useless. Like, Jean Valjean is kind of a morally great character sometimes. Mm-hmm. Javert is very clearly a twisted man driven crazy by his power and his mm-hmm. lust for justice. Um, and, like, that's interesting to me. That's yeah. fascinating. That can be two-dimensional and mm-hmm. cool. Uh, Marius is just... The- He's just there whitest white bread boy he is if wonder bread were a person because his friends are so interesting like you have like all the other like boys at the like the abc cafe um you have like angelas and grantaire and the other boys there and like grantaire is a drunk he's does not want to be there he is snarky but like he's still invested in the cause and it's very interesting he's a Mm -hmm. super minor character and i'm more interested in him than marius Mm mm-hmm right Marius is just like boring he's just boring boring. he has nothing to contribute he's clueless yeah he's a little naive kind of annoying how naive Uh he is (laughs) and like to an extent I get it you're like you're a college student you're gonna be naive because you just went to college and now you feel like you can change the world Mm -hmm. hi preaching to the choir I get it feel that vibe man living it (laughs) get it uh but Dude, your best friend has been in love with you since you guys were, like, eight. How does he not know that she's in love with him? you're gonna just be like, Hey, Eponine, can you, like, hook me up with, like, this hot girl I saw once who also was your, like, adoptive sister when you were, like, six? Yeah, hook me up with her. And then, oh, shit, Eponine, you're dying in my arms. Oh, Wait, you loved me? Oh, shit. Why didn't you say anything? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, like, screaming. I'm like, Marius, you are so fucking thick. It's so obvious that she likes you. And you're just like, huh? She liked me? And this, ladies and gentlemen, is a beautiful transition into our favorite characters discussion because I have to talk about Eponine. Oh, and I have to talk about Cosette, too. So we're perfect here. (laughs) I go for it. Um, Eponine is more problematic to me now as an adult than she was to me when I was a teenager because I was, of course, a teenager who was in love with her best friend mm-hmm. uh, and who, you know, had to watch him date other girls or be interested in other girls and that hurt. And so I vibed with Eponine like hard when I was a teenager and I was like, she's perfect. I am Eponine. And also I can sing all of her songs. Yep. So like, I need to be Eponine. I love her. And uh, now as an adult, I look at her and I'm like, girl, we need to, like, check some expectations here. Like, I wish someone would, like, take you aside and be like, hey, not going to happen. That person should be Marius. Mm -hmm. And so, like, girl, I get it. He's kind of leading you on a little bit. But also, give it up. 
it's gonna be okay. And she does in the end. Like, yeah. she doesn't do that, like, quote-unquote, like, friend zone thing where, like, you stick around in hopes that they're gonna fuck you. Because yeah. she knows that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. As soon as he sees Cosette, she knows that ship has sailed. And she still decides to be his friend and introduce them and let him live the life that's going to make mm-hmm. him happy. And so, like, I think Eponine is a beautifully tragic character, and I think that she's made more beautifully tragic by the fact that she has a redemption arc that is not shown on stage. Young Eponine is a little brat. She is spoiled by her parents. She treats Cosette like shit. Mm-hmm. And sometime between that and where we catch up with her as an adult, she has changed and had some sort of redemption arc to the point that you see her actively defying her father to protect Cosette and Jean Valjean Mm -hmm. because Tenardier is ready to just screw everything rob Valjean to get what he can and then you know go to hell you know and Eponine defies her father Mm -hmm. and all of his gang to say there's nothing here for you leave it's just an old man and his daughter just get the heck out she introduces marius to cosette even though she knows it's going to bring her immense heartbreak she disguises herself as a page boy to make sure that marius's last potential last words to cosette get delivered to her and then she dies in the arms of the only man she's ever loved who has never returned her love but has loved her as much as he can and she accepts that that is enough and she dies Uh, and i love that for her it's so gorgeous you're so absolutely correct i really hate when people like think that to love eponine means to hate cosette to love cosette means to hate eponine no no, 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 no. They're both great female characters. There's mm-hmm. so much depth to them. Mm-hmm. They're both gorgeous, like, gorgeously different in beautiful ways, but, like, oh, mm-hmm. Eponine's such a great character. She is a good mm-hmm. person. She just has so much learning to do. She's a teenage girl. Of course she has a lot of learning to do, though. Mm-hmm. To, oh. to love Eponine but hate Cosette or to love Cosette but hate Eponine is to make Marius the most important person in this story and he's literally the least important person in this story like guys no we (laughs) I used to be a Cosette hater but okay I will let you talk about how much you love Cosette before I talk about how I became reformed that's fair um yeah I, a lot of people hate Cosette. It is something I'm very used to hearing. It's because it's like she falls, unfortunately, she falls into that stupid, stupid stereotype of the female ingenue, the female love interest. And like people just see that and they're like, oh, she's a pretty soprano. She's boring. And like, granted, just people generally see like qualities as like kindness and hopefulness and like being a dreamer as kind of being boring traits. Like they're not like, outside outsidely very very interesting i guess but like when you think about cosette in like the terms of the show she is the only thing giving fontaine hope but let's go back to fontaine the only she is the only thing keeping fontaine going through this awful job through being treated like shit it's her daughter cosette 
It's the hope that she can give her daughter Cosette a better life. And that's really, really beautiful. And that gets passed along to Jean Valjean. Cosette in this show represents hope and the dreamers. She does that in the best way to being kind. I know we don't see a lot of adult Cosette. But, like, she has her interesting moments where she wants to defy her father, too. Part two, she does want to defy Jean Valjean. She does not just follow the leader all the time. Mm-hmm. When Jean Valjean, like, after she meets Marius and stuff, he's like, we gotta go. She's like, it's in my life. She's like, yeah. hey, Papa, like, I literally know nothing about you. We've been running my whole life. I have no friends. I have no one except for you. And, like, I know you've given me this really, really wonderful, beautiful life, but, like, I want something more. Why won't you tell me what's going on? Like, she is a curious person. She wants to know what's going on. And everyone glosses over that entire song <sighs> because they refuse to, they, they can't differentiate what she's actually saying from the sweet way that she is singing. Mm-hmm. Because she is an ingenue, because she's a soprano, she sings in that high, sweet, In yeah. my life, there are so many questions and answers that somehow seem wrong. And it's so sweet and well-spun mm-hmm. that everyone's like, well, she's not defying him, but she is. She literally is. She's like, uh, she wants so much more. She is like a little bell. She's like, bell. she's like, I want much more than this provincial life. She wants something new. She has her own dreams. Let's go back to Castle on a Cloud. She's been dreaming of, like, this beautiful life since she was a little girl. It kept her going as she was a child. Now she's, like, she has this wonderful, caring father. She has met this guy. It's this brand new feeling. And it's Marius, and he's boring. But it's a brand new feeling for her, and it's very exciting for Cosette. And, like, she's finally meeting somebody else that she really cares about. And it's so exciting. And then her dad's, like, bit relieving. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I feel bad for Cosette. She's had a lot of change, drastic change in her life. She was treated like shit as a child. She was literally abused as a child. And she still ended up this really warm and caring person. And I think that's really beautiful. And this is why I love Cosette. And also, I want to play her someday. But that's only half the reason why I love her. It's those qualities, and I hate when people think that's boring. Yeah. I I used to be a Cosette hater, and then I realized, first of all, that what I was doing was a lot, pretending I was Eponine and then projecting all of the girls who my best friend loved instead of me onto Cosette, which wasn't healthy. Um, <laughs> and then I also realized that Cosette had a purpose in this show. She... Mm-hmm. Um, did the best she could with what she was given because this girl was literally sheltered and shuffled around her entire life. She's not going to be as brave and as determined as Eponine is Mm -hmm. because she just has never had to be. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that she doesn't still have power and purpose. Uh, And so I grew to really appreciate Cosette. And something that you said that I thought was beautiful was that Cosette represents hope and dreams in Mm -hmm. this show and i think that's true and i think that eponine represents love and selfless love in this show and i think that the themes of this show and what's beautiful about this show could not exist without both of those things which are so beautifully depicted by these two young women Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I totally agree. I literally have chills right now. <laughs> I have chills. Oh, love is such a central theme of this show. Like, literally, one of the most famous, like, lyrics is to love another person is to see the face of God. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Fontaine says that. I don't remember who says that. But somebody says that in, like, the finale or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's so potent and real. And even if you're not a sp- spiritual person, like, feeling a lot of deep love for other people is a really magical thing. And it's really all what life's about and that's what lame is is depicting that even in like shitty ass times there's still love there and that's gorgeous and i'm probably gonna cry now because it's beautiful the entire show is about love and it's about hope john valjean's entire entire story arc is about the hope to have a new and better life mm-hmm. uh, javert's entire arc is about the hope to find valjean and see his life's purpose carried out you know, uh, it's all, the entire thing is about hope, and it's about the love that we have for our fellow man, and the things that we are willing to give up for them. And for some of them, uh, like Ma- all of Marius's friends, their love for each other and mm-hmm. their hope for a different future means that they are willing to sacrifice their lives mm-hmm. um and that's what the whole show is about and yeah. i think that uh hating the two characters that represent those two ideals so well mm-hmm. just because they are two young women who are yes. in love with the same boy and pretending that the only thing that is important about them is that they are both in love with the same boy is not only a disservice to those characters, mm-hmm. but it's a disservice to this show and to ev- all of the work that the creators of mm-hmm. this show put into it. Yep. That's a lazy interpretation. If you think that, that the only reason they're, like, their sole purpose in the show is to be a part of this love triangle with Marius, you have been sleeping the whole show, clearly, mm-hmm. because you've been missing pretty much the whole picture of what's going on. And it's mm-hmm. just... It's so lazy of you. Like, be better about reading into the actual plot. Listen to the lyrics that they are singing. Mm -hmm. They're written that way for a reason. Also, if their entire purpose was to be there to be a part of this love triangle, those bitches would not have solos. And guess what they Mm -hmm. both do? Yep. They both sing independently of Marius. Mm Mm-hmm. And if their only purpose to be there was to be a catalyst to some sort of action to Marius or to be a side character to Marius's plot, they would never sing independently of him. I'd say Marius is the catalyst for them. He is boring and plain, and these women have hopes and dreams, and they love fiercely, and he is the catalyst for that kind of extreme love, and it's... He's white bread. They are fascinating women. Mm Mm-hmm. Fight me. <laughs> Alrighty, Alyssa, it is time for ship talk. It's yes! the part where we talk about ships. Yes! Do, oh my do god. Do you have any ships I... from Lame Is? I do! I'm not talking about Cosette Marius because fuck Marius. I'm here to talk about one of the most popular ships. In Lamus canon, it's Angelos and Grant Terre. We have the grumpy one. We have the drunk one. We have, oh, I just, I love their dynamic. I love how different they are. And especially in the 25th anniversary, their uh, concert version and the movie, their interactions are 
Chef's kiss. So, Alyssa, uh, talk us through this a little bit. We know Andre Ross. Am I saying that correctly? I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. Okay. So. Well, anyway, we know he is Marius's friend. We know mm -hmm. he's one of the revolutionaries. Who is his counterpart in this ship? Talk to us about uh, about who he is. Oh, my little love. I love Grant hair. He's grumpy. He's cynical. He's drunk for most of the show. He's just kind of there. He's like, these are, these are my friends. And like, he makes fun of Angelos. He gives him shit. He's literally the only one in this friend circle who gives Angelos shit. And is like, seriously? Oh, look at this great leader here. He's got all the perfect plans. Yep, this is just going to go great. Awesome, guys. Like, he's drunk and cynical. And I like how that pairs with Angelos's like very very serious temperament. Like he get, he like looks at him. He's like fucking serious. Okay, it's very cute. And drink with me in the like in the concert version. Like they have this hand, they, this head hold, and it's really fucking beautiful. And I'm like, it looks like Brontair wants to kiss him. And so I wait. I think a bunch of people who also who ship them. Are like okay grand hair is just cynical and like drunk because he's so in love with angelos and he does not know if he returns his love and he just wants to be around his like this sun god i think in the book angelos is described as like a sun god like he looks mm -hmm. like apollo he's a shiny blonde hair like he's like not the chosen one but like kind of like in that sphere of things <laughs> mm -hmm. but if angelos is the sun then grand hair is the moon yes <laughs> I love them. I love them so much. And, like, it's not canon, but, like, I like it to dream. Be. It should be canon. I like to dream about my, my two gay lovers. <laughs> I don't know if I have any ships for this show. Uh, I love the comedic dynamic of the of madame and monsieur Tanadier, oh, yes. <laughs> but i don't know that that's necessarily a ship i just think that the two characters are written really well to play off of each other i, uh, I mean when i was a when i was a high schooler i shipped eponine with marius obviously mm -hmm. but i don't really ship Marius with anyone anymore because I kind of just see him as a means to an end. He's, I do too. He's there to be the romantic lead and to be the man left over after everything is done. Like, Marius has a point, but mm -hmm. his point is to be the man who's left over after everything is done. And yeah. he's meant to represent all of us who must watch what happens around us and then grapple with either the actions that we took or with our inaction. Mm -hmm. um, and that's Marius's point, is yeah. to sort of be us, which I guess is part of why he's so boring, because it's the same thing that you see with, like, Katniss Everdeen and Bella Swan. Yeah. You know, people write blank slate characters for the audience to reject themselves onto. Mm -hmm. And so that's Marius. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say Empty Chairs and Empty Tables is a good, is a good song. It's his mm -hmm. shining moment as a character, and then it's gone very very quickly <laughs> i'm like oh sad boy and then i was like uh whatever whatever marius okay just keep living your life get, i guess go get married to the girl you gave up eponine for yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like i want to be like cosette sweetie you can do so much better but cool Alyssa, is it quiz time Okay, we need to come up with a name for this segment. If you have an I any ideas for like fun names for this segment that we will do forever now, which is just yes. taking a personality quiz, 
um, at the end of every episode, uh, uh, tweet at us. Yes, please give us a segment name because I'm trying to think of something that we would be fun for this little quiz yeah. portion. We've got hit us with the history, and we've got ship talk, but yeah. we don't we don't have a name for for this garbage yet. So yeah. tweet at us if you have a name for this garbage. Help us be creative. Today we're taking a playbill quiz called Which Les Miserables character are you? Are you Javert or a- are you a Javert or an Eponine? Take Do you have the same Netflix habits as Javert? Are you an Eponine <laughs> into the same music? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love it. Um, um, okay, let's start. Here we go. Okie dokie. No! What'd you get? No, I hate myself. <laughs> what happened, Gwen? Okay, okay, okay. Are you done as well? I am done. Okay. So I'll say this here. Um, the person I got is not the person, is not a person I ever would have thought I would get until I was taking this quiz. Okay. Um, and while... I don't necessarily know if I agree with this assessment. Um, I haven't read the description of it yet. I will say that I would love to play this person. And so if anyone ever wanted to do a gender-blind Les Mis casting, I would love to dive Ooh. into this character's mind, and it would be a wonderful time. Okay. That being said... And I'm Javert! Yes! <laughs> uh, it says you are meticulous, full of conviction, and confidence. Authority is your bag, and you don't suffer fools lightly. You, you know believe what? in honesty and the law of the land. Okay, so it's not, like, that far off. No, like, certain I things that... about that make me seem more, like, you know, authoritarian than yeah. I actually am. But, um... That's like the second or third quiz result that has told me I don't suffer fools. I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like you've heard this before. I feel like we've been down this road. And Gwen just suffer fools, you guys. You've heard it twice now. She doesn't. If you're a fool, I won't suffer you. <laughs> She's not dealing with your shit. <laughs> so who are you, Alyssa? Um, I, this is quite surprising. I got Eponine and I'm like, okay, this is new. Um, my description's pretty short. It says, you are Eponine. You are courageous and your spirits are high. You know how to take care of yourself and get things done. Exclamation point. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess. Kind yeah, of. I, I guess. guess so. It's not, it's not, like, I would have, I would have thought you would get one of the female characters. Yeah. But I thought you would have gotten Cosette or Fontaine. I think I would have too. I'm also going to be honest and say that I took this quiz earlier and... I did the same answers, and I got Cosette last time. <laughs> I'm really confused right now. I took it this afternoon when I found it, and I was like, oh, let's just take it for fun. Let's just see. I like see taking it twice to see who I get. I don't know. Maybe your hand slipped this time, and you uh, accidentally clicked something different. I know. I was like, I don't think I did anything differently this time, but okay. I'm not angry at this result whatsoever. I just don't think it's as accurate as it could be. Yeah. This is no um, carry-on quiz. That was super accurate. Yeah, the carry-on quiz was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Alyssa, do we have any final thoughts on Les before we close out this episode? 
Oh, guys, it's a beautiful musical. I think if you haven't listened to it, which I would find very shocking because it's very popular, go mm-hmm. give it a try. It's good. Yeah. But also, I would honestly not recommend just listening to no. to it. Like, don't just, like, turn it on on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Listen, or not listen, but watch the 25th anniversary concert. You know, you don't have all of the uh, blocking and mm-hmm. set and costume problems and, like, all of the action on stage that you would get and that might distract you from the music and the yeah. plot you know, if you were seeing it as full stage production, you have the time to really just, like, watch these people sing this beautiful music Mm -hmm. and fully understand what they are saying uh, and what is happening, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is sometimes a problem with sung through musicals. So if you have not experienced Les Mis at all, uh, I highly recommend the 25th anniversary concert as your first experience with it. I agree with that. You might be able to find that on YouTube. I think that 10th or 15th anniversary is also on YouTube. That has Colm Wilkinson. He originated Jean Valjean. That's Mm -hmm. also a very good version of the show. It's very similar to 25th anniversary. It's just older. Tell you what, though. 25th anniversary, Norm Lewis as Javert is beautiful. Oh, it's the best. The four Valjean bring him home quartet is so beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, you guys. Oh, we have Remy and Karim Lou as Angelos and... Mm -hmm. I love him. He's my favorite Phantom mm-hmm. Part 2. And Samantha Barks is Eponine. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Leah Salonga, who originated Eponine on Broadway, mm-hmm. plays Fontaine so in the good. 25th anniversary production. I don't know who the fuck Cosette is, but she's uh, gorgeous and fabulous, and I love her voice more than anything. Her, I don't remember her name. It's Katie something. I don't remember the full name. I'm so sorry, but she's amazing, and I love her Cosette. But anyway, go watch the 25th anniversary <laughs> concert. Forgive Nick Jonas for being Nick Jonas. Yeah. Um, and just enjoy all of the rest of it. Yeah, guys. Mary's is boring anyway, so it's okay that he's Marius. It's yeah. Not someone else. It's it's be- it's at least it's not Javert. Like, oh, Norm Lewis is so good. I'm gonna go <laughs> listen to this later now because I need to hear his crisp, crisp consonants in my ear. Alyssa, tell them where they can find this. Yes, guys, this podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts in SoundCloud. So if you listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and a review because we want people to find us. And then on all three streaming platforms, follow us so you can like find our podcast and listen to new episodes easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at T-Squee. Uh, you know, send us send us a DM. Yeah. Get all up in our DMs. And if you have longer thoughts, you can always send those to our email address. It's T-N-Squee at gmail.com. That's T, the letter N, Squee at gmail.com. What should they send us this week? Alyssa, they should send us the uh, their Angelos and... Grantair uh, um, fanfic. Grantair fanfic. Do it. Guys, please. I can just go in archive of our own to find some of this, but I want to read your fanfiction. I want to hear it from our 12 subscribers. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, guys, we hit 100 downloads today, so that was pretty cool. So thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah. Happy to be here. We're picking up speed in Nebraska for some reason. I don't know who you are, but hi, Nebraska. Hi, Nebraska. Glad to have you. Also, thanks to the people in Belgium and France who listen to us. 
Hi, we're glad to have you too. Don't unsubscribe <laughs> just because I butchered a lot of French names in this episode. I'm so sorry. We're also glad to have all of the rest of you. Yeah. Thanks for joining our Chaos Kingdom. Thank and hi you. specifically to Cody, who hi, told Cody. me that he started listening to the pod. Hi, Cody. Hi, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, friends. Thanks for joining us for whatever this bullshit was. And yeah. we will see you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.